don't know if you ever had the opportunity to watch a television show or maybe read a book series from end to end. You'll know in the Netflix streaming era that we live in that that's called binge watching or binge reading. You know, when you sit down and you just kind of consume a whole property, maybe a whole television show, all in one sitting or in a few sittings. You've watched the entirety of the show. You, you've seen it from end to end. And if you ask my wife, there, there are occasionally some shows where we will watch it, and when they come to an end, I start to slip into a strange depression <laughs> where these characters that I've known and loved that have almost become a part of my life, they're, they're going away. And there are occasions when re-watching some of these shows that I've seen a few times from end to end where I will choose not to watch the final episode just to avoid having to feel that kind of pain of, of having to say goodbye. I know Gary's shaking his head like he doesn't get it. If you've ever been there, though, maybe, maybe you can relate to that, where you just you miss these characters. You miss the story so much that you almost just don't want to read the last page, or you don't want to watch the last episode. You think about figures in the Bible I almost call them characters. We know they're not characters. We know they're real people. They're not just fictional properties that we read about within this book. But as we read about these, these men and these women, there are some characters, there are some people who I just connect with. And one of those people particularly is Peter. For me, Peter is zealous. He's excited for the Lord. And like me, he makes so many mistakes. <laughs> and I, I relate to Peter very well. We see Peter throughout the Gospels. We're introduced to him as Jesus calls him, and he runs to Jesus' side and follows him as one of his most dedicated disciples. He stands up with Jesus and says, I'm never going anywhere, Lord, even though Jesus has to tell him, you will deny me three times. We then see him transition in to the book of Acts, where we see the powerful work that he begins to do as Jesus has gone on. How he stands up and teaches one of the most powerful and meaningful sermons that has ever been preached there on the day of Pentecost. How from that moment on he goes and he preaches to the Jews. How he uses his opportunity then to go and preach to the Gentiles. And everything that Peter does there leads us into 1 Peter, his, his first letter, which is one of my favorites. You see the maturity that Peter has begun to exhibit after his, his time with Jesus, his time preaching, and now the message that he gives to the elect dispersion. He, ta he, he talks to them really about their responsibility to, to remain strong and to follow the Lord. And then we get into the book of 2 Peter. And as you start to get to the end of 2 Peter, really short. It's only three chapters. But as you start to get to the end, maybe you have that feeling where you almost don't want to read the last page. You almost don't want to finish it. You almost don't want to put, put that down because you know that, that everything that Peter has to say to you is, is coming to an end. And I see Peter as someone that I relate to. And as, as I look into the last chapter that he writes in the book of 2 Peter, I see probably the most powerful, the most meaningful description of a day that motivates me every single day of my life. 
And if you were tempted to skip the last chapter, the last episode of 2 Peter, of Peter's story, then you're really missing a lot. And so what I want to do this morning here in this first lesson and also in the second lesson, I want to, I want to look at this last chapter. Because I think it's really important for us to understand why we do what we do. Why we are who we are. And that comes as we begin to read, really, these first ten verses here of Second Peter, chapter 3. Verses 1 through 10, we're going to cover here Peter's final concluding words. And these are all about the day of the Lord. Everything that Peter talks about here in this last chapter is really focused on the day of the Lord. I don't usually have fire and brimstone kinds of lessons. I, I probably should more often, honestly. Fire and brimstone lessons where we really start to think seriously about God's punishment, about his judgment, about his anger, about the fact that he is going to destroy the world at some point. It is easy for us to think more oftentimes about the love of God about the blessings of God, about all the, the goodness of God and what he's done for us in Jesus. But if we miss the day of the Lord, if we miss his punishment, his judgment, really we've missed it all. And that is why I think Peter uses his last chapter to tell us probably the most important lesson we all need to take away. And that is the fact that God is going to judge the world. And God is going to destroy the world. And there are three things that I think we need to remember. We need to see from these ten verses here at the end of 2 Peter chapter 3. Some things that we just need to internalize. Carry with us every day. And just allow them to, to marinate or to change us in, in some deep and profound ways. And so I want to cover those three things that I see here in these first ten verses that Peter highlights and the first thing is that you cannot doubt, you cannot deny that the day of the Lord is definitely coming. There's no doubt about it. There's no denying it. The day of the Lord is definitely coming. So let's read together 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. We'll read down to verse 7. This is now the second letter I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them I am stirring you up, but you... I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. Following their own sinful desires, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Peter is going head-to-head. -head. He's going toe-to-toe -to -toe with 
the scoffers here in these first few verses. Because there are people who say, nothing's ever going to change. The earth is just going to continue on forever and ever as it always has. And notice, I think these are not a religious people, these scoffers. I think these are religious people. Because these scoffers are bringing up the fact that in the beginning, things have just progressed this whole time. You'll know very clearly that in our society, there are people who we might consider scoffers who don't even believe in a quote-unquote beginning. That the world didn't begin at God's creation. That God never created this world. That everything just sort of evolved. I think these scoffers here... I think these are people who who know about God but are denying that he has any plans or that he's going to do anything. Back up to to the first few verses, though, and I think this is also important. Nothing that I'm going to say this morning is new. Nothing that I'm going to say this morning is going to blow your mind. I'm not going to bring you some brand new truth and present it in some brand new way that you've never heard before. And that's what Peter does. Peter's saying, I am reminding you of these things. I'm reminding you of these things. You know these things already, but I'm just reminding you. I think all of us know about the day of the Lord. All of us know that there is a great day coming. We sing about it. We sing about it. We actually did just sing about it. Song 743, it won't be very long. And that wasn't talking about this sermon, by the way. That was talking about the fact that there is a day that is coming and it won't be very long until that day comes. We know that the day is coming and so this lesson is just a reminder for us. But these scoffers will come and they will say that no, the day is not coming. Everything is going to proceed as it has since the beginning. And where is the promise of his coming? But in verse 5, Peter says, for they deliberately overlook this fact. It, they, they deliberately overlook this fact. They, they know what the facts are, but they are choosing to ignore them. That the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. This is a timely lesson in the context of our Bible study, isn't it? What did we just get done talking about? in our Bible study. We talked about Noah. And before that, we talked about the creation of the world. And both of these are what Peter goes back to. Don't forget that God created the whole world and formed it out of the water. And by water, he destroyed everything that existed because of man's sin. God destroyed everything once with just a word of his voice. And what is he going to do again? Now the world that exists is stored up for fire. Not a destruction by water, but a destruction by fire. And if you go back to Genesis 9, verses 9 through 11, as God makes these promises, this covenant with Noah, you'll remember the fact that he says, I'm not going to destroy the earth with water again. He doesn't say, I'm not going to destroy the earth again. That's an important point. He says, I'm not going to destroy it with water. And as we start to see here at the end of Peter's letter, we start to see the element with which God is going to destroy the earth. It's going to be with fire. 
destroyed by fire. Everything is stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. The day is definitely coming. As much as it was coming for the people back in Noah's day, who were living their lives carefree, without, without any concern for God, until the day the first drop of water began to come from the sky. That day was coming. And this day is coming. Now the question is, you may not be a scoffer. I hope you're not a scoffer. I hope you're not, I'm, I hope you're not intentionally denying the day of the Lord. But let me, just, let me just be honest with you about myself. There are days when I wake up that I don't have one single thought about the day of the Lord. You ever have a day like that? I mean, if you're really honest with yourself, have you ever had a day where you've gotten up out of bed and you haven't thought about the day of the Lord? I do. And there are times where I am reminded, like Peter is doing here, I am reminded of the day of the Lord. And my encouragement for us all is to remember this day, to think about this day, because this day is so fundamental to who we are. It's so fundamental to why we live the way that we live today. It changes us. It changes every thought we have. It changes every interaction that we have. It changes everything about us because we know that day is coming. And when we remember it, that's meaningful for us. So I hope that all of us would not look so negatively at the scoffers and, and really just look inwardly and say, I've, I've been there. I've been there. Where I haven't acted like today could actually be the last day. Where I haven't really taken advantage of today as possibly the last moment that I might have on this earth. And so that's the encouragement, first off, is to remember that the day is definitely coming. But then we continue on. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 9, he goes on. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Another thing we know about this day is that it's waiting. And it's waiting for a very important purpose. The day is waiting so that humans will repent. So that you and I will change. So that people out in the dark world that exists now will change. Every day that passes is another day for people to come to the Lord. And when that day is pushed out another day, and when we have another day, and maybe another day after that, all of those days are there so that we can change, so that we can repent. God is patient. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as, as some count slowness, but he's patient toward you. You have, a, you have problems with patience? <laughs> I mean, we live in an instant gratification kind of society today, don't we? I mean, if it takes more than two days for Amazon to deliver something, we just throw up our hands and think we're living back in the 1700s or something. I don't know. 
We, we want something, we want it right now. And some days I, I understand the feeling of come Lord God, come quickly. But he has his timetable. God has his timetable. And if the entire Bible is not teaching you that fact, I think you're missing something. As you study through the entire word of God, don't you see God's timetable? Don't you see his plans unfolding? Even in the last lesson that we had in our Bible class, as God is speaking to Abram, and he's telling Abram about the promises that are about to come, what does he tell him about the future of his descendants? They're going to be enslaved. They're going to be captives in a foreign land, but I'm going to bring them out, and I'm going to give, give them riches and blessings. He's saying there's going to come a time in the future where I'm going to do something for my people. And don't we just see that about how God operates? He has a timetable. In the fullness of time, he sent Jesus to the earth. When, when the time was right, when everything was in the proper alignment for Jesus to be of the most impact in this world, that's when he came. That's when God sent him. God has a timetable. And we, we talk about this verse a lot, maybe in the context of creation. I think we should think about this verse more, more often than we do. A day to the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. For us, time passes in such a, a linear way, such a constant way. God doesn't see time the way we do. And so, as God is patient with us, we are patient with the Lord. We're waiting on the Lord, aren't we? We're waiting for the Lord and waiting for him to come. And every single day that we have is a day that we can repent. And this is something that is not a New Testament idea, by the way. God doesn't want people to perish. Don't you see, as God is talking to Noah back there in Genesis, you see the, the anguish that he had over the people's sins that he had to punish? He didn't want to destroy the earth with water, but he did it. You go back to books like Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 18, which is probably one of the best verses, the best chapters for talking about personal responsibility, how he says the soul who sins will die, how the Israelites were repeating this phrase in the beginning of Ezekiel 18, this, this phrase, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, basically that the, that the children are, are beset with the sins of their fathers, and God, through Ezekiel, has to say, no, you don't get it. You sin, and when you sin, you deserve punishment. But I love the beautiful ending that he has at the end of this chapter in verse 30 of Ezekiel 18. Therefore, God says, I will judge you, O house of Israel, every one according to his ways, declares the Lord God. There's that personal responsibility. Repent and turn from all your transgressions. Let iniquity be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourself a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. God is begging his people to turn around and repent. He's begging them because he doesn't want to see anyone perish. And isn't that what we see here in 2 Peter 3? The day of the Lord is waiting for you to repent. 
And every day that you have on this earth, every moment that you have is another opportunity for you to turn to God if you haven't already. And that's amazing that God is waiting so patiently for me and so patiently for you. And so the day waits for repentance. But finally, I think we see here in this, in this last verse, in verse 10, that we'll consider in this first lesson that the day is going to come as a surprise. The day is most definitely coming. The day is certainly waiting for people to repent, but it will be a surprise when that great day comes. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heaven will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. It's going to be a very surprising day. It's going to be a very shocking day, especially if you're not ready for it. How many times... In the Gospels, how many times in Jesus' ministry does he tell a parable that really just emphasizes the fact that the master is gone and he is returning at some point? There are so many parables that Jesus tells us about a master who leaves and what the stewards will do, what the servants will do upon his return. And so often, one of my favorites is, is the story really of the master who goes away and he comes back and he puts his hand on the door, and the door flies open before he gets his hand on the doorknob. I'm embellishing this story, by the way, but this is, this is the picture that I see in my mind. How the door just flies open because the servants are right there ready. It's the middle of the night. They should be sleeping, but they were waiting because they thought, maybe tonight. Maybe tonight the master will return. Blessed are those servants who the master finds watching. And all of us should be waiting. We should be ready. But the fact is, the day will come like a surprise. I love this last part of the verse here, by the way. The earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. A couple weeks ago, I was in Yuma. And I don't know which is worse, New Jersey or Yuma, but you can figure that out on your own if you've been to both places. Out standing in the middle of the desert, Nothing around except for rocks and, you know, unexploded ordnance and stuff that's out there. And I was, we had a big tent. And I had to, I had to stake down, down the tent because there was like 30 mile an hour winds expected later on in the day. And so in order to stake down the tent, I basically had to go and find like the biggest rocks that I could find. Listen, if you've never been in the desert or if you've never gone and played outside as a kid, they tell you like, don't move a rock. Whatever you do, don't move a rock. Well, I was moving rocks, okay? And I, it probably wasn't a great idea. So I'm moving these big rocks. And as soon as I lift up the rock, you just see, like, life scatter, like bugs and insects, and they just run. Like they were hiding under the rock. That's what I see in this verse. That's the, that's the exact picture in my mind that I see of this verse, that suddenly everything that was hidden is now exposed. Suddenly, everything that was unknown, that was unseen, that was hiding under the rock is now exposed. That's what that day is going to be like. How long have we lived hiding in the shadows? How long have we lived with no one seeing, no one pointing out the flaws, no one, no one pointing out our sins? How long has that been the normal? And on that day, it will be a surprise as if the rock has been lifted from above us and now everything is exposed, everything is seen. 
It reminds me so much, really, of what Jesus said in Matthew 24, probably the most powerful explanation of this verse that I, that I could think of from Jesus, Matthew 24, beginning in verse 36. We'll read this whole context because I think it's very, it's very helpful in understanding what Peter is saying here. Matthew 24, verse 36, beginning. Jesus says, But concerning that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Stop right there. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. Jesus himself is saying, I don't even know when that day is. Is it going to be a surprise to the angels? Is it going to be a surprise to Jesus? That's kind of the implication here. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. It's going to be a surprise. For as were the days of Noah, again, we're going back to Noah. It's such an apt example to go back and consider. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding in the mill, one will be taken, one will be left. Therefore stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left his, let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. He's coming at a time when you don't know. You don't know when God is coming again. You don't know when the day of the Lord is going to be. But just because we don't know when that day is, do not forget that the day is definitely coming. And that every day that we have is a blessing from God. Every day that we have, we can consider salvation for us, as Peter talks about later on in a few verses later there. Every day that we have is salvation. Every day that we have is another day that we can come to the Lord, but when that day comes, it will be a surprise. Sometimes you know, sometimes people will know the day that they're going to die. Maybe they have a diagnosis, maybe they have a timeline of when, when their life expectancy is expected to be over. Maybe doctors will somberly tell them in a, in a consultation about the life expectancy that they have based on a disease that they have. Most people never know when they're going to die. And no one knows when the Lord is coming again. If this is not a reality for you, if this is not fact for you, then why would you be ready, as Jesus talks about here? Why would you be prepared? Why would you live every day watchful and waiting for your master to return again. I don't think you would. If this day is just kind of a figment of our imagination, if this is just kind of like a, a, a fairy tale storybook story, if this day of the Lord isn't real, then I think we all just get to live however we want, right? And that's how so many scoffers live, as Peter is talking about in these verses. They deny the day of the Lord. They deny that it's coming. Some will even say that the day has already come, which makes no sense to me. Why would Jesus make comparisons to Noah? Why would Peter make comparisons to Noah 
Noah and the flood was not just a, a little tiny remote event, right? We see in that great story that it was worldwide destruction. The day of the Lord is not just a reference. It's not some limited scope reference to things that might have happened in Jerusalem long ago. This is a day that every one of us are waiting for. And does that change you? Are you ready for that day? It won't be very long until that day comes. And it's interesting, it's interesting to me so much that we still sing this song. It won't be very long. For thousands of years since the time where Peter wrote these things, we've been waiting. It hasn't come yet. But do you believe that it won't be very long? Do you believe that that day is coming, and when it comes, it'll be a surprise? That's where I want to leave this lesson in the beginning. And that's very doom and gloom, fire and brimstone. The Lord is going to destroy everything. And maybe you're left with the question, so what? What now? What do I do now? And stay tuned, because that's where Peter goes at the last part of the last chapter of his writing. The last place he goes is really the what-if question. Where do we go next? Who should we be knowing all of these things? So if you're here this morning and you need to give your life to the Lord, if you know that that day is coming and you know that you are not ready, then we would love to help you get ready. We would love to baptize you this morning. We would love to pray for you if you've already given your life to the Lord. We'd love to help you out in whatever way that we can. Please come forward as we stand and sing.